We've already talked about a good portion of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We'll continue on in just a moment. As we lead ourselves back into our study tonight, we know that Peter and the other apostles have been preaching on the day of Pentecost. We know that they had talked about Jesus, and they had talked about the fact that uh, those people who were there on that day, that they had crucified the Lord and that God had raised Him. And so verse 37 says, When they heard these things... Uh, They were cut to the heart, depending upon which translation you're reading from. They were pricked in their heart. But they were cut to the heart and said, "Men Men and brethren, what shall we do? And so we talked about last time how that uh, these people, it's obvious that they had faith, but they had faith because they had heard these things. They believed in what Peter and the other apostles were saying. And so when they asked, He tells them the very next step, as it were, to repent. We talked about repentance and dealt with that uh, quite a bit last time, so we won't get back into that. But where we actually stopped last time was on the coordinating conjunction. He says, uh, in giving the answer to the question, what shall we do? uh, Peter says, repent and... A-N-D. That's a coordinating conjunction. Now, when we're talking about a coordinating conjunction, what is it that we're talking about? Now, this is not an English class, but in order for us to understand what God says to us, He gave us language, and He gave us words, and He gave us the ability to understand those words and to use those words in a, in a proper way. And so, that's what He does here. When we're talking about a coordinating conjunction, we're talking about a word that joins two elements. Now watch this, and this is not my definition, this is an English definition, but it's a, a, a conjunction is a word that joins two elements of equal grammatical rank and syntactic importance. Now it goes on and says they can join two verbs, two nouns, two adjectives, two phrases, or two independent clauses. Uh, In other words, you use a coordinating conjunction when you want to give equal emphasis to two main clauses. Now, whatever importance the word, to illustrate what we're saying here, whatever importance the word repent has in this particular sentence, the, uh, the other phrase or the other word that's used there is also of the same and equal importance based on the fact that they're joined together by the coordinating conjunction. Again, language means something. God has given us the ability to know and to understand that language. Someone else says that a coordinating conjunction is the glue that holds two or more words, phrases, or clauses together. Okay? Now let me see if I can illustrate a little bit about what we're, uh, what the point that we're wanting to make here. I said one, one is equally as important as the other. You go to the restaurant and you order for breakfast bacon and eggs. And the uh, waiter, waitress comes out with your order and the only thing he or she brings you is eggs. What is your reaction? You ordered bacon and eggs. What is your reaction? What are you going to do? Huh? Jump up and pitch a fit? No, don't, don't do that. That's not the right thing to do. Okay? You're going to ask what? Where's my 
bacon because I ordered bacon and eggs. And she looks at you or he looks at you and says, yeah, says, we know what you always ordered and we, we knew about these eggs and, and we really took special attention this morning to prepare these eggs just the way you like them because you come in so often we know exactly how you want them and, and, and we just did an outstanding job on these eggs. What's your response? Bring my bacon. Okay. Why? They're joined together with a coordinating conjunction. One is equally as important as the other. Now, some people might have said, if you brought the bacon, I'd be happy and just leave the eggs off, but that's not what you ordered. Uh, if you got up to the counter and they charged you for bacon and eggs and they only brought one, you're going to make the, the same argument as well. I ordered both. I didn't get but one. But I ordered both. Well, you know what? God ordered bacon and eggs. He didn't order just one. When Peter answers the question, he didn't say you can do this or that or that one is more important than the other. He tied them together. Now we could illustrate the same thing with other, other uh, phrases. Gravy and biscuits. Okay, I, I like some gravy and biscuits. Okay, Gravy and biscuits. If they bring gravy without biscuits, are you going to be happy? If they bring biscuits without gravy, are you going to be happy? Not if you ordered gravy and biscuits. Well, what about cornbread and milk? If they just brought you a piece of cornbread without milk, are you going to be happy? You can't have cornbread and milk without both, can you? Coordinating conjunctions. And so we here in the South, we understand bacon and eggs, and we understand uh, gravy and biscuits, and we understand cornbread and milk, but it seems that some folks, even in the South, can't understand, repent, and whatever it is he says next. Because they are prejudiced against it, having been taught falsely in regard to it for many, many years. You see, God ordered bacon and eggs. He ordered gravy and biscuits. He ordered uh, cornbread and milk. He ordered repentance and baptism. And so, to emphasize one over the other is wrong. Uh, let, me just, let me just say tonight, sometimes I think in the church, it may be that in reaction to the denominational world and their trying to de-emphasize baptism, we emphasize it to the exclusion or at least lessening what is said in regard to repentance. We can't do that either. Both share equal importance. Even by the definition that we find in language, they share equal importance. And so he says, repent and do something. What was the other thing? Repent and be baptized. Now, as we look at this, and the Lord didn't expect us to be Greek scholars or anything like that, and I don't claim to be one. I know enough to look things up. But when you look this up and you think about the word repent, it's interesting to me that it is in a particular form in the original language. It is an imperative verb. In other words, it is a command. Okay, that's what an imperative is. It is a command. But it's in the 
active voice. The active voice. Now, what does that mean? Being in the active voice, it says that something that you yourself are to do. Whereas, when we come to baptism, repent and be baptized, it also is an imperative, but it's in the passive voice. What does that mean? It means it's something that is done to you or for you. So you do the repenting and someone else does the baptizing of you. Okay? So, if you look at it from that standpoint, some of the arguments that religion, religious folks make against baptism... That if you're, if you're the one who's being baptized, that, that you're working, you know, in order to have your salvation. The very language shuts that down because you're the one that is having it done to you. Passive voice. You can't do it on your own. That's, that's something God has commanded and he's made it possible for others to do that by those who are teaching and those who have uh, instructed you and, and you're hearing of the Word of God. And so as we go through that, it's just interesting to see that. Now, what does it mean to be baptized? Very quickly, it means to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water. That's the definition in the Greek uh, uh, dictionary, if you will. Uh, Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 38. Luke chapter 11, verse 38. Somebody read that passage for us, and don't, don't turn back away from that, because I want you to read something else in uh, chapter 11 just a second. But what were the Pharisees astonished at? Somebody got it? Guess what? That word wash... Is our word that we have here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Baptize. It's a word that simply means to wash. Now, we have it baptized, as you've probably heard a number of times. It comes to us, baptizo, the word baptizo or uh, baptiste. It is transliterated. In other words, they just took the Greek letters and changed them into English letters. And so we've got baptism. But everybody who was speaking the Greek language back then, which was the universal language of that day, they would have understood that Peter is saying that you are to be washed so that you can be made clean. Be washed. To submerge in water, to put your hands in water, that's what the Pharisees were saying, to put your hands in the water pot and wash your hands. Now, got a question? Oh, I'm sorry. Look at verse 39, Luke chapter 11, verse 39. And the Lord said to him, Now, Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup, and the dish, and inside So what do the what do the Pharisees do? Very next verse. They're complaining because they didn't baptize, they didn't wash their hands. And Jesus retorts back at them. You clean the outside and not the inside. Catharzo is the word that's used there. 
And, and so, by implication, when we look at the word wash, we know it means to be clean. And Jesus just follows up with that in the very next word. Now, having said that, let's go and look at a couple of passages. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. What is it that cleans us when we're baptized? What is it that cleans us? 1 John 1, 7. Walk in the light as He's in the light, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, does the same thing that He says about the outside of the dishes Back up here in John chapter 11, verse 39. It cleans us. The blood of Jesus cleans us. Uh, Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Depending upon which translation you're reading from, you'll have two different words that are used. You got it? Yeah, we've been washed from our sins with His blood. If you're reading from the English Standard, maybe freed from our sins with His blood. But the word wash there, or to cleanse us, to wash us from our sins, is a word that's used several times in the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 37. Acts 9, 37. The word that's used in Acts, or rather Luke, or Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, L-O-U-O, Luo. It's used here in Acts chapter 11, or 9 verse 37. And when they washed her, they laid her up in the upper room. Yeah. In those days she became ill, died. When they had washed her, same thing Jesus does with his blood. Uh, Acts 16, verse 33. What the Philippian jailer did for Paul and Silas, who had been beaten. Took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, washed their stripes. And then he was baptized, at the, evidently at the same place where he had taken them to wash their stripes. He and all his family. And so when we're talking about baptism here, or being baptized as we read about it, we understand that it is a cleansing. Okay. Now, if the word means to wash in order to be clean, to submerge in water in order to wash to be clean, what is the implication of one who has not been baptized? Number one, he has not washed. And number two, because he has not washed, he is not... Clean. Clean of what? Not the putting, Peter would say, it's not the putting away of the uh, filthiness of the flesh, but it's from the inside. Our sins have not been washed away. And so Peter ties them together. And why would Peter say that? Why would Peter say what he said? Because he is speaking by the inspiration of. The Spirit of God. He is saying the words that God wants said. 
Isn't that what we've been talking about since early in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came upon the apostles? And they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Repent and be baptized. Okay, now, uh, who was to do that? Every one of you. Now, there were a lot of folks there that day. I don't know exactly how many, but I know that there were 3,000 that heard and listened, and they obeyed what he said. And he said, every one of you. Now, somebody might argue, and let me just throw this out here very quickly. Somebody might argue, well, what if there were babies there that day? And he said, every one of you. How would you answer that? Did they baptize the babies too? Why? Okay, but answer it from Acts chapter 2, verse 38. They couldn't repent. What did I just get through talking about? One is equally as important as the other. Now, one is done to you, and one you have to do yourself. Which one do you have to do yourself? What could that baby not do? Now, somebody could take him and hold him under the water, but he still hadn't done the first of the requisites there. And so, no, babies weren't baptized on that day, but those who could understand what Peter said know the difference in what they had done and all of those kinds of things. They were responsible. Peter said that it was for every one of them. Okay, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, if everyone on that day was to be baptized, what about our day? If we want what they got, then we'll probably need to do what they did, right? And they did what? They had heard, they believed, they repented, they were baptized. Okay? And he's going to say, tell us why in just a minute, and we'll talk about that more for the forgiveness of sins or your sins. But uh, every one of you, now, again, look at it. Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What does he mean by that, in the name of Jesus Christ? If you do something in the name of someone, what is it that you're doing? By their, by their authority. It's by the authority of Jesus Christ that you are to be baptized. Now, let's look at two or three verses together. Look at Acts 16, verse 18. Acts 16, verse 18. Paul is going to cast out a... Uh, a demon, an evil spirit. And what was it he said in order to get that spirit out of this little girl? I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, how, 
how are we to be, repent and be baptized? In the name of, we got the same phrase, don't we? How did he get that demon out, that evil spirit? He commanded it. Well, we've got imperative verbs here. They are commands. And so he didn't have to say, I command you. He just put them in the, in the same form. But he's talking to this spirit. He said, I command you. I'm, I'm giving you the imperative. And here's the authority by which I'm telling you to do it. And what did the spirit do? He came out. Because who's in charge? The Lord is. The Lord is. And so in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse 6. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. An almost identical phrase, just one word added to it. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. All right, he's talking about church discipline there. It's not our intent tonight to deal with that, except for the fact that what we're looking at is what authority is given for doing that. Whose authority is given? Paul says, I command you, how? In the name, and we've got one word added, I said a minute ago, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only difference that we have in what we find here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and, and this particular passage. And so, it's by His authority that these things are done. What does Acts, or rather Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 say? Now, I want, you to, I want you to go ahead and turn back over there, and I want you to look at it. Acts 20, or rather Matthew, I keep wanting to go back to Acts. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want to, make a, want to make a point from what we're looking at there. Eighteen said, All authority has been given to me on he- in heaven and on earth. Okay? Make disciples and do what? Baptize them. Well, we've got the name of again, right? By the authority... But what is different about what Jesus says in Matthew 28 and what Peter says in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Yeah, he said by, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now Peter just says in the name of Jesus Christ, but in the name of the Father, the Son, and and the Holy Spirit. What do you learn from that? When you tie what is said in Matthew 28 to what Jesus, or what is said here in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, what do you learn when you compare those two verses? There's unity in the Godhead. And not just unity in the Godhead, it's in the name of the full authority of the Godhead says that we are to be baptized. And we would, we would understand Jesus to have the authority, but here it's specifically stated by Jesus, we're all agreed. 
And this is, this is what you are to do. That's what every person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's what they had to say. But both? They don't say those words today. Uh-huh. I'm not sure because as we look at it here, he just says that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're also told in the book of Matthew chapter 28 that he himself has all authority. But to answer your question, whenever I baptize someone, I do say in the name of all of them. When so, you're studying with, with someone and trying to teach them and ask them about any baptism, the baptism they had in their past. Uh-huh. And what they say Yeah, it's, it's, it's the obedience that you're, yeah. And so it's the obedience. But I, I, I always include all three uh, because I know that the entire authority of God himself, the whole Godhead, rests behind what I just taught somebody to do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that, that just saying that you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that we're baptizing you in the name of Jesus Christ, would be, would be wrong, because that's exactly what Peter says to do here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, isn't it? So, yeah, I always add that part, too. Uh, that's, that's, all, that's always there as well. And, and I think that's quite important, because that distinguishes... Uh, uh, New Testament baptism from what is said in a number of uh, the denominational churches of our world that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. And I want people to understand, and hopefully as I've studied with them, they understand that it's at that point that their sins are indeed washed away, cleansed, forgiven uh, there. So, yes, I, I, I like to make that definitely for certain. Okay? Any other, any other questions or comments? Good, good questions. All right, so it's to be in the name of the Father. Now, let me just add one more thing here. I have thought about it, and I've searched through the New Testament. I don't know of any other command in the New Testament in which the authority to do it is explicitly stated. Now listen how I'm saying that that the authority to do it is explicitly stated as being from all three persons of the Godhead. Can you think of any other thing that we're taught to do? That we're ex- It's explicitly stated that we're to do it by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can't think of one, and I actually searched the phrase on the computer, and I couldn't find any other phrase similar to that. So, what's the point there? To minimize baptism is to minimize something that the entire Godhead has called for. Now, that doesn't mean that any, that, that any other command is one's any less important because it's just said that Jesus said or God said. Okay, it's not any less important. I'm just saying that it's explicitly stated. Is baptism important? Is baptism necessary? Yes. How necessary is it? The Bible teaches I can't get to heaven 
if I don't go through the grave and meet the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how important it is. Okay? All right, so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, verse 19, and in the name of Jesus, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Now, let's get to this uh, next part of that, okay? For the forgiveness of your sins. To avoid the act of baptism that results in the forgiveness of one's sins, again, speaking of the denominational world, it really wants you to be misinformed regarding one of the words of that phrase. For. The little short word. For. They want to translate the word because of the forgiveness of sins. Their theory, their thought, their teaching is that one is saved before he is baptized. And therefore, we are baptized simply as an outward act of an inward grace. Their words. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, because of the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. Folks, listen to this. The word translated for, it's the little Greek word eis, E-I-S, is used 1,358 times in the New Testament. And not a single time is it translated because of. 1,358 times, and the translators never translated it because of. Wow. I guess they just didn't know, did they? They didn't know their language. They didn't understand. Now, we could, we could say, well, the language doesn't bear it out. But let's go back to the book of Matthew again, chapter 26 at verse 28. Let's do it quickly tonight because we're going to run out of time. Matthew 26, verse 28. Institution of the Lord's Supper on the night before Jesus is being crucified. This is my blood. When we take of the Lord's Supper, we take of the cup. Jesus said what? This is my blood which is poured out for many. For what purpose? For the remission of sins. Isn't that the phrase in English that we have here in Acts 2.38? And I'll one-up you on that. It is the same phrase that is in the Greek language. Same wording. Now, why was Jesus giving his blood, shedding his blood? Did Jesus shed his blood because we already had salvation or in order for us to have salvation? Which one is it? If he shed his blood because we've already got salvation... He should never have been uh, put on the cross, 
Because mankind was already saved. You see, God in His infinite wisdom knew how to answer error before the error was ever thought up. And He did. And so when we look at it, being grammatically the same, Jesus shed His blood for our sins to be saved, uh, for us to be saved from our sins. Years ago, I had somewhat of a written debate with a, a gentleman who held a doctorate. And he was a preacher in a local denominational church, and he had taught by a thing that they had sent out into the community that baptism was unnecessary, and uh, I called him on it. So we we communicated back and forth. I mean, very, very nice gentleman, but uh, we communicated back and forth, wrote back and forth several times. You know, he would make an argument, and I would make an argument, until we got to this particular part. And I showed him what Matthew 26, verse 28 said. And that's where the debate ended. Now, he didn't stop teaching his false doctrine. He held on to it, and he just didn't want to debate. But his conclusion was, well, there had to be forgiveness already in the Old Testament. To avoid teaching the truth, he goes back and teaches even more. Error. When you get backed up in a corner, not by me, but by God's Word, when you get backed up in a corner, you'll, if, you're, if your heart's not right, and you're not willing to do what's right, you'll come to some really strange conclusions, won't you? And that's what a lot of folks do in order to avoid the concept of baptism. The word that's used there, translated for, is a primary preposition, and it means, watch this, It means to or into. In other words, it indicates the point that you have reached or entered. And so we could could talk about the definition. Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ to enter into the forgiveness of your sins. And we would not do any damage to the text. We just have that little preposition and we don't have to use all of those words. Real quick, somebody turn to the book of Acts, or rather uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Galatians 3, verse 27. Real quick, because they're going to be coming in. As many of you as have been baptized into... Bet you can't guess what that word is. It's the same one that we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, translated for. You were baptized into Jesus Christ, and you have put on Jesus Christ. We're baptized into the forgiveness of sins. That's the point. We repent and are baptized into the forgiveness of sins. Not because of but in order to obtain, or in order to arrive at, if you will, the forgiveness of our sins. Okay? All right, we'll pick up there next time and uh, go.